We have a lot going on on our campus today and a lot of tons of student activities. Our students are coming off an amazing summer. They did so they had so much that our student ministry led them through this year, and tonight they got several big events. But one of the events for all of us big kids, if, uh, if you're you know, not going to be doing anything, I would tell you, I hope this will be something that you would, you would find uh, worth your time for sure. Uh, this is uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, we're do, doing this thing. I think we got an image there. Yeah, August 28th, tonight, 6 p.m., winning the battle of the mind. I, I did this back in February. There'll be, there'll be uh, you'll need a Bible, you'll need a pad and a pen, I think. I think I think we're going to have some chairs in here and some tables for you to sit on. Um, don't, don't sit on the tables. Sit on the chairs, right on the tables. Um, but I've, this is kind of a, a, a 10 to 12-year journey that I've been on for a long time of, you know, we, we're told a lot that we know we have an enemy. The enemy is real. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but the battlefield that I face most of my life is in my brain. It's, the, it's the, the, what you interpret, how you interpret situations at your job, how do you interpret things that are said to you, how do you uh, ter- interpret things that were said to you 15, 20 years ago, life experiences that happened to you 30 years ago. Uh, every, we're going to deal tonight with how do you actually take the story you see versus the story God tells you. How do you actually align your thoughts and your past and your present or even your future with the Word of God? Preachers like me tell you to take your thoughts captive because the Bible tells you that. But I think a lot of times we stop short of telling you actually how. How do you have the mindset of God? How do you align your thoughts with God's, God's thoughts? And we're going to talk about that tonight, 6 o'clock uh, in this room. So uh, had a great turnout last time we did this in February. And so this is part of our freedom ministry and discipleship. So I hope you get a chance to come to that tonight. We're uh, continuing in our church series, and it's been a, a lot of fun for me to look back at this. And, and um, you know, when it comes to church, I can tell you and our belief systems, the reality is you can tell me anything you want to tell me, right? You, 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 I can tell you anything I want to tell you about life. You know how you're going to know what I believe by what I do. That's how you're going to know. It doesn't matter. I, you know, I can tell you anything about anything, but all, all I have to do is watch what somebody does and what they do shows me what they actually believe. Because a lot of times in our, let's say all of us have places in our lives where, you know, we say we believe something, but our actions show just a little bit different sometimes. What you believe is indicated in how you live. Emerson said it this way. What you are shouts so loudly in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. I read a lot of Emerson back in my college days, and I never forgot that quote. What you are shouts so loud in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. You know, you know it's just a, a really uh, philosophical way of saying actions speak louder than words is what he's getting at. I, I would even say it this way. What you do reveals what you believe. What you do reveals what you believe. And this morning... I want to talk to you about a group of people. In the book of Acts, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, uh, it's kind of in the, the middle two-thirds of, of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you've got the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And today we're going to talk about what they looked in, at in terms of money, because money is a mirror. We're actually calling this the mirror of money. We, we're in this church series, and we're talking about indicators of a healthy church, in, in, in this group of people, here's what you've got in the book of Acts. You've, 
Boy, if you've never read the book of Acts, man, I'm going to tell you, it is not complex reading. Make that your next devotion. Spend the next few months going through the book of Acts. The book of Acts, man, it just it chronicles out. Like if the church were a, a little newborn baby, you get to see that this infant church becomes something across the globe and all the stories and even some of the fighting they had and some of the persecutions they had and some of the times they got mad at each other and, and the issues within the church. I mean, it's, it's a really great story. And today we're going to see, an, an, we're looking at some of their behavior patterns. Remember what I just told you? We're going to look at their behavior patterns, and it tells us something about them. So Peter's just preached this really huge sermon we dealt with last week about baptism. And in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says that they, that's all the, the New Testament Christians, all the people that were of the, your, your first brothers and sisters of the New Testament church, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, right? So eating is biblical, right? We, we know that. And Baptists have gotten that one right, buddy. I'll tell you, no doubt about it, right? You know there's an old preacher joke, by the way. You know how you're in, you know how you're, uh, if you wake up craving fried chicken and interpret that as a call to be a preacher, then you're probably a Baptist, uh, right? Yeah, so there you go. Uh, verse 43 Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, here we go, verse 44, look at this. And all those who had believed, that is, those that had, had walked into Christ, had accepted the Lord Jesus, all those who had believed were together. That doesn't mean they were together physically, by the way. It means they were together spiritually. And they had all things in common. Here you go. Here's your, here's your verse of behavior. And they began selling their property. And their possessions, and they were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind, that is, they were together, with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with the people, that is, the people in the community, not just inside the church walls, if you want to call it that. It was in the community. And it says, the, the last verse there, in, in verse 47, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this wasn't just about their money. And, I, and if you, in fact, I, I really don't even want you to walk away thinking about that. Because if, if you want to make this a tithing principle, then it's 100%. So you should go, oh, whew, I feel better. 100%. They, they, they were all in, man. They were all in on this movement of who the Lord Jesus was. They, they pushed it all to the middle because it was the kingdom of God that had captured their minds. It was the kingdom of God. And so what you see, we're, well, it's one of my favorite ways to study the Bible. One of my favorite ways to study the Bible is to look at what people did that was righteous or unrighteous, and you can learn a lot from that. Especially, I mean, I've, I've done that all my life. Look at what they did or look at what they didn't do Sometimes, here's a great way to study the Bible. Look at what people got wrong and flip it. What's the opposite? What's the opposite behavior there? And so when you look at what they actually did, what they actually did was they were all in when it comes to God. Their belief matched their behavior. Don't forget that. Their belief matched their behavior. So let's talk about the modern-day church's belief system. 
What's, our, what's some of our modern-day beliefs? I'm talking about the church of today. All my, all my Christian journey in ministry, these statistics haven't changed a whole lot. And, and I do realize that you can take statistics. I mean, people do it all the time. and manipulate. You can, you can kind of make statistics say whatever you want them to say sometimes. And I'm not going to do that to you this morning. Because you can find these now with Google, you know, you can find out this stuff on your own. You can go to, you know, push, uh, push pay, or you can go to uh, a nonprofit source, and you can go to Barna. You can go to all these places, and you can find it for yourself. But here, here's a couple of modern-day trends that we've seen actually for a long time. But about what does the church of today, what does the, the, the American church or the global church of Jesus today believe about money? Here's just a couple, a couple of indicators. Tithers, according to research we find, tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. I did wonder what normal meant. I, I kind of... Kind of would like to know uh, to see if you know are we normal or not. Uh, I don't think we are normal. Uh, I don't know that there is a normal. I think what they that kind of made me laugh. Uh, I, I thought I think what they're getting at is just your standard congregation. You know, tithers make up about ten to twenty five percent. That's 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 about true here at Clearview. Some, you know, I, I want you to know, just in case you ever do wonder, I know a lot of pastors that, that look at giving records. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that I can't. I just choose not to. Uh, I don't want to know. I don't want to treat you any different. I, don't wanna, I am a human. I am, not a, I, am, I am not immune to being influenced. And so you know what? If, uh, if, if all of a sudden, as the shepherd, uh, I am not without sin, uh, but I also know that, that as the shepherd, I am called to lead us righteously, and therefore, if your household is causing a disruption in our body, uh, I don't want to know if you give or not. I want to treat you exactly like anybody would be treated. I don't want to look, because I know a lot, and I know why a lot of pastors see giving records. They want to know, uh, you know, who their vision teams are, who they do it, a lot of them that I know that do it want to know. Let's say you've got 30 or 40 really big hitters that give to the kingdom of God, and they want them to be involved in what's coming up in 2024 and 2025 and that kind of stuff. I choose just not to do it that way. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't think it's healthy for me to know, and so I just want you to know, want you to know that. But, but our, I do know some of our giving indicators that our finance people tell me, and, and I would say that's not far off at all with Clearview. Here's another one. Um, the average giving by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is about $17 a week. So take that, 20 bucks a week if you give 52 weeks a year. That's telling, isn't it? Here's a, here's a positive one. 77% of those who tithe give actually 11 to 20% or more of their income. And I think that's true too. I, I see, I know a lot of people that if they're honoring the Lord with their money, usually they're, they're not willing to give the baseline. They'll go, they'll go beyond that. Here's a statistic, by the way, that I have seen for the better part of 20 years. It's never changed. I've never seen it change. But this one always haunts me just a little. Christians are giving at 2.5% of income. During the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. Today's crowd, my granddaddy grew up in the Great Depression, Today's crowd of Christians per capita give less than they did in the worst economic time in our country's history. So that may be the national trends, but it's not going to be the Clearview trend. It can't be. Today I'm going to talk with you about what it means to align your life 
Because when you, when you look, this, this, is, this is not so much. Are we, money is a symptom. Money is a symptom. And what we're talking about is the actual root cause. Money, money is just another indicator of health. By the way, I've seen people that, I, that made it very clear to me that, well, I tithed at this church. And I'm like, you know, I would rather you stop tithing and start living for Jesus. Because you're a snake. And I watch what you do. I didn't actually call them snakes. Jesus called people snakes, by the way. Brood of vipers, sons of hell. Read, read Jesus' sermons. He was way more hard than me. Okay? I've watched people that, you know, you can, listen, you can walk right up in here with, with a really nice watch and $400 shoes and drive a $100,000 car, and your arrogance stinks in the nostrils of God, no matter how much money you give. That's just the reality. No, we're not talking about money. We're talking about aligning your life. And what we see in the, in the book of Acts is that these people's behavior match their belief system. And their belief system match their behavior. And that's what we're getting at. That's an indicator. Because you, let's face it, you can give a tithe, 15, you can give even 15% and still be rebelling in sin with God. It's about getting our lives aligned. So what can we learn? What can we learn from these people in the book of Acts that pushed it all to the middle? You know, it, it kind of was funny to me that this week, the more that I look back at the Acts church, I thought, you know, <laughs> they're raising the standard here, man, from 10% to 100. <laughs> it, you know, it, so let's look at what, what this says about what God wants from us. Well, here's two key principles. Number one, God wants my daily vision focused beyond my daily self. Okay. God wants my daily vision focused beyond my daily self, right? I, mean, I, th I think it's why Jesus in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I study that prayer a lot. It's not a prayer you're supposed to, I don't think you're supposed to pray it in repetitions. I mean, you can. I mean, you know, we, we, that, that's not the point. I, I mean, it's fine to pray it that way. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it was a model. There's, if you break that prayer down, there is a rhythm to it, and there's categories to it. And, 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 and one of the things that Jesus said is, give us to stay our daily bread. It was a system of trust. It was about trusting God. I, I want to trust you, Heavenly Father, with what I need today. And so what you see in the, in the Acts church is it says they had all things in common. Look in verse 44. It says, and those who believed were together, and they had all things in common. He isn't talking about like we are right now. We are physically together, but you know as well as I do, you can be in a, in a room full of people who are physically together, and they are spiritually divided, right? We see it all the time. So no, what, they were unified in their hearts with one another. Now let me tell you what this verse is not saying. Okay, let's talk about what it's not saying. I, I really don't think the overtones of this is that biblically we're supposed to all be into a communal idea. You know, meaning that like, you know, Mark Baird has a lot of tools, all right? I mean, Mark might let me, I've never asked. He also has a really cool old Corvette. Um, I, could, I could come and drive it, maybe, who knows, I haven't asked. Um, he did drive my son in at one time at, a, at an undisclosed rate of speed that we will not talk about, um, which was awesome that my son still talks about to this day, All right? But it doesn't mean that I just have automatic right to mark stuff. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what that's getting at at all. I think what had happened is that these people had, had, had seen this Jesus go to a cross, they had watched him go into a grave, and then they watched him come out of it. 
And because they watched him come out of it, it radically changed how they looked at everything. And they saw, wait a minute, there is more to this life than living and dying. There is more to this life than, than me just living for myself, put, getting all that I can and putting it into a can and putting a lid on the can and then sitting on the can so that nobody can get into my stuff. That, that isn't what he's, that's not what the, the idea there. No, the idea is that they looked out for each other. It says they had all things in common. You know, the, you may not realize this, but most of what we know about the life of Jesus, we've had to piece together from the Gospels. We've had to take snapshots. I'm going through the Gospels right now myself, just looking at the Jesus way. I'm just looking for lifestyle patterns, just for my own good. What did Jesus do? How did he, how did he respond? But you know that the longest run of verses that we have on who Jesus is, is, is most likely Philippians chapter 2. When it describes who Jesus is and how he operated among people, Paul says, have this mind in you that was also in Christ. And then he, he, and, and he tells us kind of the, the mind of Christ in Philippians. And in that Philippians 2 passage, this is what it says. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard, there's a statement again, one another, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's what humility is, by the way. Humility, is, humility isn't thinking, is, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less often. That's what humility is. It's putting others, and let me tell you something, man. In 2022, well, you really don't see a whole lot of that anywhere. When's the last time that we coached any of our children to put another kid first? I mean, in the world of athletics, I love athletics. But putting somebody else first, that, that, that kind of, it's hard to line that up sometimes, isn't it? What about in the business sector with real competitors to put someone else first? The Jesus way is counterculture, friends. The Jesus way is counterculture. And so what you see is that their daily vision was bigger than their daily self. And that's what allowed them to go all in with God. Their daily vision was bigger than their daily self. And what I think what we see in the book of Acts is that we, we are, what we are doing is funding eternity. They weren't funding a campus because there wasn't one. And, and I don't want you to get lost on that. What would make a group of people, listen, they were not different than you. They were mothers and fathers, single adults, divorced people, they were 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings. They were people of all shapes and sizes, all kinds of backgrounds. Some were finance people. Some were business people. Some were teachers. Some were trade craft people. Some were artists. They were just like you and me. What would cause them to push it all to the middle of the table with God? Because they understood they weren't giving to bricks and mortar. They were giving to a movement, a movement. 
And that's what I want you to hear from the book of Acts today. Is that what we do here, friends, the reason that we, the reason that we cannot not be faithful to God with our money is at the end of the day, what we do matters. See, the, you and I, we get this amazing opportunity from God. And this opportunity that we get from God is to give our money and ourselves to something that outlives us. That is the kingdom of God. And that is why I want to be faithful with my money because people that die without Christ spend an eternity in hell. People that come to Christ spend an eternity in heaven. There is a choice and I want to help fund that. That is, it's not that we want to have a great student ministry to give your kid options. Listen, your kid in this town has so many options. Your kids can do any, and this is an amazing place to graze a family when it comes to all the options. I don't want my boys chasing after the options. I want my boys chasing the kingdom of God with everything they've got. That's what I want. And that's why I want to fund it. I'm not trying to fund Graham and the rest of our student ministry. They're just a few of them. They, they can't possibly meet all of my son's needs. What, what in the world makes us think that, that if, we had, if we had 15 full-time student pastors, what makes us think that those 15 could handle all the, it's, uh, the needs of students? It's insane. There's no way that can happen. What I want to do is I want to see our, our church fund the kingdom of God and the eternal parts of this world. I want to see us do things for the Lord because I know it outlives me. That is what gets me excited. And I'm telling you, listen to me, friends. I'll make you a covenant promise this morning. You hearing me? When you start funding what the people need out there, attendance will be the last of your worries. When you start, you want to know with, if, we're not, if we're not seeing our baptisms go up and our, our attendances go up, we need to take a hard look at all of us to say, are we, are we funding us or are we funding a movement? Because you do know it's been proven statistically over and over again, many times over, the longer a church goes in its number of years of existence, the more its money goes to feed itself. That's a fact. The longer a church goes with every 10 years, the longer a church goes in its own existence, the more of its money goes to its own stuff. Let's go to number two. God wants my daily vision beyond my daily self, and God wants my giving to reflect my redemption. That's the point I'm trying to make. God wants my giving to reflect my redemption. You know, there's a verse in there that always catches my eye. It's in verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. I believe these people were awestruck. I believe they were awestruck with what God was doing. People that were on their way to divorce, reconciled, 
Daddies that hadn't spoken to sons in 10 years were speaking back to each other again. Moms and daughters that were really split were now having a relationship again. A brother who couldn't talk to his other brother, they were seeing healing. It wasn't just leprosy and a right arm that wouldn't work or blindness that was being healed. God was healing people. And friends, I'm here to tell you, that didn't stop in the book of Acts. That is possible today. That is possible today. You can see reconciliation in your own family. You can see reconciliation in your own body. You can see reconciliation in your friends. You can see it in your workplaces. And God can use every one of you to do that. Every one of us. We can still see that happen right here at Clearview. God wants my giving to reflect my redemption. You say, Jason, what do you mean by that? Well, what I'm saying is God, God didn't give half of Jesus for you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God didn't say, you know, I'm going to give you some parts of access to the kingdom of God, but I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to shut off other parts that you have no access to. God gave his whole son, all of him, all of him. He gave his whole son. Jesus gave everything to the Father. He gave everything he had to the Father. There, there's nothing, you know what I've never seen in the life of Christ? I've never seen a place in the life of Christ where he says, Heavenly Father, you can do anything you want to me, but... Even when he was faced with going to the cross, he did ask, is there any other way? But he never said, I won't do it. He never said, I won't do it. Jesus didn't withhold anything from us. And I think what you see with these people in the book of Acts, I think what you see very clearly is a people that had given up rights to themselves they took titled property. You know property comes with title. Your vehicle, your, your home, your land, even your assets that your wealth management people, there's documents you have to sign, titles to all of those things, documents of ownership. I think what you see is people were changing the owner. God was now the owner. They were issuing titles to where titles should go. That God owned everything they had and nothing was off limits. It's the Jesus way. And the question comes down to, I thought about this a lot, what do we do, what do, we do next? What, what's the next right step here? When it comes to the mirror of money, because you see money is a mirror. Jesus said... Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can steal it. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust cannot steal them and corrode them and thieves cannot steal them. And then there is the qualifier that Jesus said, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's not where your heart is headed, it's where your heart already is. Money is a mirror. Money is a mirror. What you believe shows up in how you behave. And so for that reason, I want to say to you this morning, I want to be really clear, especially if you're a guest today, I want to be really clear about something.
the least of my concerns is that you give to Clearview. I mean it. I cannot mean it any more than I mean it. The least of my concerns is that you give to Clearview. I don't want you to be square with the church. <laughs> you know, all level, zero balance kind of thing. I could care less. I want you to be square with the Lord. I want you to be square with God. With your whole life. That's what I want. You know why I want that? Because I know God will honor it. If, if you want to see the favor, of, listen to me, Christian friend. This goes way beyond your money. You want to see the favor of God on your life? You want to see the anointing on your life? You want to see the, the I mean, the anointing of God on your life? Then don't lock doors. Don't lock doors from the Lord. First of all, he can walk right through them. But he's not. You know what he's going to do? He's just going to wait. He's just going to sit there. Because we, we raise our hands and worship God, all of me, take all of me. And he, really? Boy, I'm telling you, you better, when you come to church, man, you better watch what you sing. You better watch what you sing. I do. <laughs> If I'm in a season where I have a hard time forgiving somebody, sometimes I just don't sing those lyrics. I can't believe I just told you all that. But it's like, I'm not there yet, God. I'd rather be honest. You know, not, not quite there yet, Lord, on that one. You know? How do I do that? I don't, I don't want to lock doors with God. I don't, I don't, I don't want to close things off with God. So what's the next right step? These people were, were all in. They were all in with God. I, I, could, I, could, I could put on that screen verse after verse. I could spend 30 minutes this Sunday literally just showing you promise after promise after promise after promise of what God does with people who honor him with their money. I could show you promise after promise that God promises you you're not going to be left destitute. I can show you promise after promise from the word of God, not Jason, the word of God that says, I will take care of you. I can show you promise after promise, promise after promise. I could show it to you. What I want more than any other thing is for you to align your life. That's what I want. And that shows up in a church that's healthy. And so what do you do? I want to give you the practical extension of this this morning. What do you do next? You ready for this? It's complicated. Obey. Obey God with your money. Go in your next paycheck. Whenever you get a direct deposit, let me tell you what not to do. Don't calculate all the money from January to December and figure out how much that's going to run you. If I looked at my tax return, I would... It would... Don't look at it like that, man. You obey with the next paycheck. And when the next direct deposit comes three weeks or four weeks later, you obey with that one too. And four weeks later, when that one comes, you obey with that one too. And you know what? If you've done that three times, you're three steps into obedience versus disobedience. Make the next right decision. Make the next right decision. Honor God 
with your money. Start today. Start today. That's what I love about God. If you were unfaithful yesterday, you can be faithful today. Be faithful today. Be faithful today. You make it a resolve in your heart. Man, I'm going to honor God with my whole life. And you know why that matters? Because I'm going to tell you something, friends, it works in reverse. If you will be dishonoring to God with your money, you're way more easier to be dishonoring somewhere else. This is why I mean about alignment. Alignment matters. Don't just pick and choose where you're going to be faithful to God. Be faithful to God on all the fronts the best you can. Learn to crave obedience. Learn to crave obedience to God because that's where the favor lives. He's not favoring you out of right behavior. He's favoring you out of a right heart. Out of a right heart. So what I would say to you this morning, for those of you that are married, if you haven't honored God with your household incomes and the jobs that God gave you, and you sit down with your husband or wife and you say, Honey, the days of us being disobedient are behind us. And the days of faithfulness are in front of us. We're just going to be faithful to God. And we're going to trust him with all of it. That's the next right step. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.